0: Well, we have a lot to celebrate and a lot to review, a lot to think about. Today's going to be a little bit different because I kind of came to the end of last week and thought, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to say next. <laughs> so if you've been a part of the summit, a part of the last few weeks, you probably know what I mean. And I was thinking my son Gideon during our prayer time just a minute ago summed up probably what a lot of us feel pretty well, he just said, I, he just whispered to me, I wish Life Action were still here. <laughs> like, yeah, me too. I really do. Um, and we've had such an amazing experience, and um, today I hope to help, help all of us sort of take another step forward, and um, knowing it won't be the only next step, but, but one of, of prayerfully many. And if, if it happened to be an experience that you missed for whatever reason, I hope that we can bring you along. Um, there, there have been a lot of people in our midst who've had their lives just radically rearranged, radically changed. And, uh, some of you have shared your stories with me of both big things and little things the Lord is doing in your life. And some of those stories might still need to be shared along the way. I want to call up my friends, Ray and Sarah. Um, Ray's a deacon in our church and Sarah, you might know her as our, uh, administrative, um, office manager and, they uh, they shared with me a little bit earlier this week what God was doing in their life and just the, the lessons that they learned in the context of the summit, and I thought it would be neat for you to share that with the whole family here. So, yeah, we'd love to hear it.
1: So my name is
0: Ray Johnson,
1: and this is my wife Sarah, and uh, God has blessed us to be in part of this church for me 18 years, for Sarah here uh, 9 years uh, since she came to the States. And uh, as a kid, I've... Been part of what was then called Dynamite Club, uh, Kid Base Camp is what it's called now, and so I've been I've been a part of Life Action. I've been you know been involved with it. My parents worked there, so I knew a lot of about Life Action and what they preached and thing you know everything. And this was the first time I've been able to sit through a Life Action summit as an adult um, and and hear the truths. Being a participant and not helping and doing you know doing other things. And Steve Canfield, uh, he challenged everyone, but I took it personally. He said, get up and give God the first part of your day. I am a night person. I can stay up 2, 3 in the morning, no problems. Mornings, I don't get up. If I go to bed at 7 at night, I won't get up. I'm just not a morning person. And God gets the glory. By the grace of God, I've been able to get up and spend the first part of the morning with him. It's been a huge challenge. The last thing I want to do is, is that. But by the grace of God, he has allowed me to do that. And it's just to be able to to be with him and give him my day It's just been a blessing. Um, it's made my days easier um, it truly has. Um, so it's been, that's been wonderful. Um, and the other part that uh, really challenged me was, you know, we don't intentionally drift from God. We don't make big leaps away from God. We make we make baby steps um, away from God. And so I was not in the Word, not consistently in the Word, and... Yeah. I noticed during that that, yeah, I had baby-stepped away from him and, and away from doing that. And so for that Life Action Summit, we did a big leap back to God, and it was just incredible. He challenged us to to pray with my wife and my family. I will say it was awkward uh, the first time I did it. I felt awkward praying with, with Sarah, but we've been, we've been not every day, but we've been trying to do it. Um, and doing it with the family and with the kids, um, and they like to pray as well. They're like, it's my turn. So we, we go around and we pray, and it's been a huge blessing.
2: Yeah, this is the first summit for me as well. And um, before it, I'm excited, and um, I, like, I need to be revival. But I don't know what will happen or what I expect. So, but I'm just plan to be in it and see what happened. And I'm pray to God, like, open my heart and open my mind to lead me what he wants me to do. And besides my husband shared that, um, I have a couple of things to add to that. That is, um, after the summit, I'm really excited, like, things change, and... Um, I'm really thankful for we have these teams coming in. We learn more about God and learn his truth. And not only learn that, um, it helped me to, like, I need to take next step. And for a part of revival, it's not like we learn it, but we need to take the action. So um, besides the, uh, we can get up, have devotion with God and, Um, pray together as a family I think that's a big thing like my kids excited and we have more things to talk about and we can pray together as a family and as a couple and also another thing is um, life squeeze for me it's daily like with the kids or with the you driving somewhere not happen to me a lot, but for him, it's more when he's driving. So we are able to, like, to tell each other, like, please pray for him instead of acting out ourselves. And yeah, that's a, the big thing to always remind us to um, when we get squeezed, we uh, what squeeze out is God's word, God's truth, or ourselves. And the other thing is, for we pray for our giving and be able to talk about more how we can give, and also pray God lead us to uh, managing our time and our what we have to Him, not uh, what we just plan ourselves.
0: That's great. Well, wow. thank you so much for sharing. And you know, one thing that I notice about your testimony that maybe is consistent with a lot of us in here, is that it's, it's those little things that God asked us to do that we were challenged with during the last few weeks, the, the giving God the first few moments of the day and praying with one another, the things that really you would think would be fundamental in all of our lives, but it's so easy to drift away uh, from those practices. And so I, I would echo those, those three things that you, you guys mentioned, I, I would say, in my own life. Uh, certainly um, ask, uh, giving God the first few moments of my sort of conscious day. And I think I've been using a whole lot of excuses that sounded pretty good to me as to why I couldn't do it. And so um, so I'm praying through that. And then uh, Melissa and I have committed as well as, as you guys to pray together. And um, our, our aim is to do that at night before we go to bed. Um, uh, the challenge that I ran into was, I actually, I heard about something else at Life Action was happening. And I wanted to tell Melissa about it, and so I kind of laid down, and I said, hey, honey, when we pray tonight, we, we need to pray for life action as well. And she said that was the last thing I said. <laughs> so, like, okay, that might not be, I, I've got to figure out a better plan for when we're going to do this, but uh, we've, been, uh, we've been seeking to, to build that that prayer into our marriage as well. And, and I know that, that for a lot of you, as Zach mentioned earlier, maybe you filled out that card on Sunday night It was just a little blank index card, but it was a way of summarizing what God has asked us to do, and, and then just say, saying, okay, I want to be accountable to that. And so, so I, I would encourage you uh, to stay faithful with those little things, and we'll, we'll get into this in the message in just a moment, because it's those things that open the door to the big things that God might have in our future and for our next steps. Um, so if you'd open the Bible with me to Revelation chapter 2, some time ago, actually just before Easter we started making the case for the summit and why we would give so much time to seeking God in a special way, a unique way. And we did the Seeking Him Bible study as sort of a, a precursor, a preview of what we knew God needed to do in our hearts. And when I'm saying we, I'm saying me and, and our leadership team uh, concurring. And I think for a lot of us, as we understand what this whole thing was about, we say, yeah, this is, this is exactly what we needed and it really, it really has helped us reorient now and start to say, okay, Lord, what, where do you want us to go from here? And in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus speaks to a few churches, actually seven, and three of those churches, I think we could very clearly identify that they needed revival. And so earlier this year, when we opened to the same text, we talked about whether or not we would be anything like those three churches. And I want to review that with you briefly before we talk about I mean, kind of where we go from here, and at least begin a conversation that I don't think will end today, it's just kind of kicking it off. Um, but there were a couple metaphors that we've used for revival. One, uh, hopefully you never have to see this one, um, where the paddles are being put on you, and, and I, technically, like medically, you probably wouldn't see this happen, right? I'm not guessing, like, <laughs> you say, like, wait, stop, don't do it, you know, but... Um, but in that moment when the paddles are coming on, like that's when you're in sort of a revival emergency and you need to be revived because this is the end of the line. It doesn't happen. The other metaphor for revival that uh, Steve talked to us about in the first Sunday of the summit was, was more like a refreshing rain. That times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord when we repent. And, and that's, you can kind of feel like, you know, if you've been dry or dirty or parched or whatever, and you can just step into a cool shower and it's so refreshing that, that there are times in our lives when we need that, when spiritually we can get dry and distant and disconnected and we're like, Lord, I need a time of refreshing. And so I suspect that for different ones of us, um, one or the other metaphor might have been at play that maybe you were kind of in like an emergency mode, like you needed spiritual life, you needed a surge of revival. Uh, others might say, you know, I've been walking with Jesus, but I just needed a refresh. And, and my prayer for you and, and really for our whole church is that, that whichever one of those metaphors suits you, uh, that you experienced the next step, that you experienced life from God. So here's what Jesus said to the first church mentioned there, the church of Ephesus in chapter 2. He's writing these in the form of letters, sort of through the Apostle John, who's delivering the content. And, uh, and he says to the church of Ephesus, I know all the things that you do. Because every church has a bunch of things it's doing, right? There's all sorts of activities, and there's all sorts of relationships, and there's sermons and music, and Jesus says, you know what, I know all the things that you do, And there's a few things you're doing really well, and I want to commend you. And he goes through, he talks about how they've stayed strong during times of persecution, and they haven't let false teaching in. But look to verse four, and we see here their need for revival. He says, But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other the way you did at first. You've left your first love. He says, If you don't repent, or he says, Look how far you've fallen turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. It says, you've, you've left your first love relationship, and here's what I need you to do. I need you to look at where you're really at, look at how far you've fallen, and turn around and repent. And when I think of what the summit actually called us to do, it really wasn't a whole lot more complicated than that, was it? I mean, some of the principles that we were learning, it wasn't like they were new truth. It wasn't like some sort of magic potion that like, oh, now I get it. all. No, these were all just sort of fundamentals of walking with the Lord, repenting and being humble, and, and yet the things that we can drift away from. And so part of the summit was designed to help us see how far we've fallen, like to really get honest about our condition. And then part of it was to teach us how to repent, to turn around and start doing the things that we did at first, to recapturing that love relationship with the Lord. All right, the second church that Jesus mentioned who needed revival is then in chapter three. So you can look at this one, and this is the one that kind of scares me the most, because what Jesus said to them, um, I feel like, is is perhaps apropos to some of us. and, And I know in my life at different stages, I would say I feel like I've been in this place. So the church of Sardis, Jesus said to them, I know all the things that you do. And they were a busy church as well. That you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. There it is again. Just go back to the very beginning. Hold to that firmly. It's time to repent. And, And so kind of wherever you're starting from on the journey, the answer is sort of the same. The test we applied was this. If my spiritual life is defined by my activity for God rather than by my intimacy with God, then I need revival. And one of the things that came up over and over again in my life, in my heart during the summit, was how the the boxes to check, so to speak, that had to do with activity for God, I was feeling like I was, you know, checkmarking a student on some of that stuff. But when it came to intimacy with God... Now all of a sudden I'm pausing and going, man, I don't know if I want to check. And on, in all honesty, like we're taking those little tests at night. And, and here was what was going on in my mind. Like I was thinking, so what I want to do is like hide in my booklet and make all, because I don't want everybody to know how many check marks I had on some of those worksheets. Um, and then I'm thinking, but no, I need to be a good example and like be open. And so like, man, I was struggling with all that and just realizing like the reason there was a struggle is because I don't, I don't feel like in my own heart, I feel like I had grown yeah, sort of more into the action of things and less into the heart and the devotion of things and so that's something I, I had to repent of and I'm seeking God's help in in rectifying another church that Jesus mentioned was Laodicea and how much they needed revival and here's what he said to them verse 15 of chapter 3 he said I know the things that you do that you're neither hot nor cold I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And yet you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that's been purified by fire, and then you'll be rich. Buy white garments for me that won't be shamed by your nakedness, and ointment for your eyes, so that you'll be able to see. These are metaphors for revival and for authenticity. He says, "I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference." You think, "Wow, this this was written to a church that was you know two thousand years ago in a totally different culture, and yet there it is. Like that's the that's the pattern that we can so easily fall into: is to be indifferent, to become lukewarm." And so we kind of applied this test. Well, if our commitment to Christ is grown, if my pursuit of holiness has been compromised, then I need revival. And then, over top of all of that, you could probably find this anywhere in the scripture, but I, I see it at the very end of Revelation when the vision for eternity is cast, and, and here's sort of the, the big plan is all, is all coming to fruition. And, and that should be the thing that's, that's like giving, giving energy to our lives, it should be the thing that's defining our footsteps. And yet we can apply this test that if I've lost my sense of vision and mission in the Christian life, I need revival. And I, I suspect, and from a lot of the conversations that we've all shared in the last few weeks, I know that a lot of us have started to recover some of that vision and mission in our Christian life just because we, we have that time together to really focus in and say, Lord, what, what do you want to say to us? So here's a definition of revival that, that might help us sort of think through not just what we did experience, but what needs to happen next. Revival is renewed life from the Holy Spirit in your soul, leading you to new faith, new love, new obedience, and new joy. And, and if, if you compare notes with your neighbor sometime about what God did in their hearts, I have a feeling that some of those words will pop up in their story. That even though it was difficult, and like Zach was saying, like there's parts of it that were brutal. where We're having to get really honest and go into really difficult and dark places. At the end of all of that, the fresh obedience, the fresh faith, the fresh joy um, helps us then, you know, we're, we're looking at that going, Lord, thank you for reviving my soul. I didn't realize how much I needed it. And I feel like that was maybe a theme for me over the course of the, the, the weeks that when I started, like, I was so excited to, to sort of present this to you all, especially some of you who I know you've never been through one of these before, and I was just, like, so excited about, like, oh, you're going you're gonna, to, there's so much that you're, you'll learn, and the, these truths have impacted me so much, and I, it's so exciting that you'll get to hear it. Um, and, uh, and so as that's happening, you know, I'm kind of excited over here in the front row, like, so glad this is happening, and starting to realize that the messages are for me too, right? And And suddenly I'm realizing, like, wow, Lord, I need to be, humbled and broken and repentant, and I have boxes to check, and I have conscience to clear, and there's all these different things that are coming up in my heart and my life uh, that I need to work through. And so I didn't realize how much I needed what we just experienced. And maybe that's your story as well. So here's a statement. We're going to turn the corner and just start a conversation about where we go from here. The statement is this, what it takes to get revival is what it takes to keep revival. So if you feel like you're on a mountaintop, if you feel like, wow, my life, like I'm closer to Jesus right now than I feel like I've ever been, and I'm praying, and my family's praying, and we're, we're really open and honest, and I, I, I've been confessing my sins, and I feel like I'm clean and ready for mission and all that, that's awesome. And I mean, that's where we're all wanting to be. But the thing that you did that got you there, seeking God, taking all this seriously, being willing to be open and honest, that's what it takes to stay in that place as well. Uh, Really, I I was trying to figure out how to summarize the summit for some of you who weren't able to come. And I came up with two words as a summary. Two parts that we sort of experienced together. The first part was brokenness. Not broken like something's broken and needs to get put back together, but broken more like the will of a wild horse that gets broken so that it can finally be used by its master. that's That's what part of the summit was about. That was the brutal part. Uh, that's where we had to, had to sort of untangle our pride and our sin and our, the take off the masks that we sometimes wear and just, and just get honest and say, Lord, uh, I need you. I need you in every part of my life. Uh, I don't have this together and I'm never going to have it together without you. And so, Lord, I just welcome you in to really lead me. Uh, I won't resist you anymore. That's brokenness. Uh, I, I was thinking of a book that has meant a lot to me over the years. Called the Calvary Road. Maybe some of you have encountered this, this little book. And the first chapter of the Calvary Road is actually titled Brokenness. And I was rereading it the other day and thinking about how in some ways this chapter summarizes the whole first week of the summit. So if you say, I missed the whole first week, well, here's like a four-page summary that would give you, this is the heart of it, this is the meat of it. Let me just read you a couple paragraphs uh, of what, it, what this looks like to be broken and to experience revival. Revival is just the life of the Lord Jesus poured into human hearts. Jesus is always victorious. In heaven they are praising him all the time for his victory. Whatever may be our experience of failure and barrenness, he is never defeated. His power is boundless. And we, for our part, have only to get into a right relationship with him, and we shall see his power being demonstrated in our hearts, in our lives, and our service. And our victorious life will fill us and overflow through us to others. That is revival in its essence. If, however, we are to come into this right relationship with Him, the first thing we must learn is that our wills must be broken to His will. To be broken is the beginning of revival. It is painful, it is humiliating, but it is the only way. I spoke with someone probably four or five days in, and that, that was, those were the words. They said, this is painful. Like, what did you sign us up for? Um, I kind of hate this. I said, well, hold on. Like, you'll, you'll like the second week a little better. This is part of the process. Like, this is where we have to go. First, we get humble before God can lift us up. It says, the Lord Jesus cannot continue, or cannot live in us fully and reveal himself through us until the proud self within us is broken. This simply means that the, that the hard, unyielding self, and you've got one and I've got one, so we know what that is, which justifies itself, wants its own way, stands up for its rights, seeks its own glory, at last bows its head to God's will, admits its wrong, and gives up its own way to Jesus, surrenders its rights, and discards its own glory, that the Lord Jesus might have all and be all. In other words, it is dying to self. And there it is, dying to self. One of the things I thought was interesting, in the, in uh, one of the messages that Steve preached was kind of a play off of the name of the ministry, uh, but he, the, the, the name of the message was Death in Action. Because for our part, uh, our part of serving Jesus isn't to sort of ramp up and do our best job, our job is actually to set ourselves on the altar and die to ourselves so that God's life can live in and through us. Being broken is both God's work and ours. He brings His pressure to bear, but we have to make the choice. And I think about how maybe for a lot of us, the summit was some pressure that God brought to bear. And now it's up to us to make the choice of whether we'll stay in that place of brokenness and humility, or if we'll sort of wander back into doing things our own way. The second key word is obedience. And this is where Christian living is fun and awesome and joyful and an adventure. But if you start with this one without the previous, it won't work. You have to start with humility before the obedience can follow. Uh, And this is where we learned all sorts of things about putting Jesus first in our relationships, finances, daily habits, praying personally and with others, counting dead to sin and alive to God, and really, if you think of it, uh, the challenge to respond to truth, not just receive it. One of the things I didn't like about Steve, just to be honest with you, was the fact that he would preach like a fantastic, funny, clever, amazing, Bible-centered message, and then he would make me do something with it. Like, no, can't, can't you just like, can't we just be dismissed? Like, can't we just go and not have to like promise that we'll actually obey the Bible? And yet that's what happened to us over and over again. It wasn't just about knowing, it was about obeying. It wasn't just about receiving a truth. It was about responding to that truth. And one of the things that, that I feel like I even learned and that I'm, I'm thinking through, how does this even impact the way that I serve you as a preacher um, to, not, to not be content with just sort of like, here's the information, but to really say now, Lord, what do we do? And sometimes to call the question right there and then, like, will you do it? And uh, so I'm praying through how, how to kind of respond myself in that regard. Um, here, here's a question that I guess we could ask uh, one another. We could ask ourselves, ask the Lord, what commitments did you make to the Lord out of this focus on brokenness and obedience? I suspect that if you were here for any of the number of nights, you probably did make some sort of a commitment or at least have an intent in your heart. And so what do those things look like and what are your next steps? So on Monday, I was, I was thinking about like, I mean, after this big, amazing thing was gone and the, they packed up the truck and they headed off and I was I saying, was okay, I, I don't really know what to do now. Um, and so I called Steve and said, Steve, I, I really don't know what to do now. Um, what do you think I should do? And, uh, and he, said, he said, you know, and I said to him, I said, why don't you give me like the, the thing you would never tell any other church? Like what do you wish churches would do when you leave? And, uh, and he said, you know, it's not, it's not really like that. It's just, he said, honestly, it's like the things that people wrote on those cards. Like you should probably just get up and encourage them to keep doing those things because those are the things that over the long run, that, that's what makes the difference. If you, really, if you don't just intend to pray, but you actually pray. Uh, if you don't just sort of mouth the words like, yeah, everything I have is God's, but you actually start living that way. Um, that that's what makes the difference. And, uh, and so he said, he said, why don't you share Luke 16.10, the words of Jesus when he was talking about faithfulness. Jesus said, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. So in, in essence, what Jesus is telling us there is that the little things that we think might be optional or might be so small because no one else really even knows about it or that the world wouldn't really even pay any attention to. Like, you know, did you, did you really pray this morning? Does it really matter? Those kinds of things. If you're faithful in the little things, the door gets open to bigger things. And so when we think about our mission and we think about like where will, where will, where will, our, will our church go? Where should your family go? What's your next step in life? Lord, I, I want to do something that matters. And, and so, so God's looking back to us. If you'll be faithful in the little things, uh, I'll, I'll open the door to those bigger things. And so I'm, I'm trusting that. I'm believing that. Uh, not here today with all the answers put together, say, oh, and here are the bigger things. I, I, don't, I don't know what those are right now. Um, but I do know that, that our call is to be faithful with the little that's in our hand and then to trust God to take us forward from there. So here's a few next steps that uh, I would encourage you to take and to pray about and also for our church leadership team that as you would, as you think of us, just to pray that God would give us wisdom to know how, how to kind of react and what to do next. I feel like what we've learned isn't just meant to be applied personally in our hearts. It's also meant to be applied corporately. Um, I don't quite know what that all looks like, but I feel like, you know, if you really have brokenness and obedience as you're, if that's what you're doing, like that would change an organization and that would change our church structure, our family, how we do things. Uh, Everything would change about our lives if we really are broken and if we're really fully obedient. And so we're we're praying and asking God for wisdom on what that looks like. So here's a couple ideas. Um, First of all, we already talked about just, just faithfully obey in the little things. So there might be some things that are written down in your summit workbook or on a card that you filled out or something, and say, Lord, I, I want to go back to those things and not just stop with, I did, you know, I did those things. To say, okay, now going forward, how do I really build these things into my lifestyle? How do I carve out the right amount of time or the right place to do these things? And and how do I stay accountable to someone uh, to keep moving forward in my spiritual journey? I don't, I don't look at the check boxes and the lists of goals and things as some sort of like. You know, you've got to do this to be a good Christian type thing. I, I look at those; those are tools that God uses in our lives to grow us to be like Jesus, and and I don't want to neglect the tools that He's given us. And in this context, He's given us some tools that we all get to share together, which is a which is an amazing thing. And so let's let's take advantage of that. Uh, review and apply what we've learned. It's something I'm going to work on um, from up here and the opportunities I have to share with our whole church family. Uh, I want to keep bringing back up some of these truths that lead to revival and that will be the things that keep us in that place. You know, we'll, we'll move on to other sermon series and there'll be other focuses and then Christmas is coming and there's a lot of, there's a lot of other stuff we'll do, of course. Uh, but I don't want what I just experienced in the summit and what you just experienced in the summit to just be in history. Like to just be, oh, yeah, that was a great series a long time ago. Uh, these are things that could totally change who we are and how we live. Um, and so, so we want to keep those front and center. Add more inter- interactivity to our church life. This is a practical thing. We've already talked to, we had an elders meeting this week. We talked a little about this. We talked about it with our staff team. Um, I, so one of the things I asked Steve, I was like, what, what do you, you know, one of the things that seemed like was created, an environment was created where we were all talking to each other and praying with each other it felt like a lot. I mean, did you, did you notice that? Like, it wasn't like you just came to church, sat, listened, sang, walk out the door, but there was like this interactive element of being a family and a body. Um, and so I asked Steve, I said, do you think it's possible for a church to keep that going? Like, does that only live in special moments or could a church culture actually be that way all the time? And you know Steve, who's obviously a prophet, and he doesn't pull punches or whatever. He said, "Well, I think that the interactivity actually is church, and if people don't want that, they don't really want church at all." Then okay, well, <laughs> great. Then we should probably do something with that. <laughs> um, the uh, so so we're so we're thinking that through. Like just even in our in the context of the different environments we get to create and services we have, uh, how can we how can it not just be something where you're hearing from up here? And, and going home, but something where you actually get to participate and, and, uh, and interact. So we'll, we'll pray about that we'll consider how to apply that. Uh, make some changes to our culture and strategy. Uh, we, we were looking at some of this anyway because New Year is upon us and a new decade. So we, we'd already, at the elder level, started to pray through, like, what, Lord, what do you, what do you want us to do from here as a church? And what what does what the 2020s look like? And wh- how do we need to shift? And what do we need to stay strong on? And all, all that. But here I feel like the summit came along and gave us a whole new category of thinking for that question. And, uh, and so, so, so we're looking at kind of putting everything on the table and saying, Lord, who, who do you want us to become as a church family in the, in the weeks and months ahead? And then most importantly is number five, uh, to stay in a position of humility before God and one another. That if, if we can really root out all of our resistance and all of our pride whether it's how we face one another with that, or how we face leadership with that, or how we face God with that. We say, Lord, I'm actually here to serve you, and I I don't have my own agenda anymore. Uh, if If that's the place that we start, I feel like the rest of this works itself out, and I feel like we have an amazing future ahead applying these principles we've learned. And so I just encourage you to join me in saying to the Lord, Lord, I I really want to give up my agenda and my plan and just really serve you and and really listen to what you would have us do next. And uh, maybe on that basis, we'll we'll get some direction and uh, we can go into the 2020s with confidence and excitement and and there's all all sorts of opportunities and neat things ahead, Uh, but we've we've got a great place now to sort of start with with a foundation of humility, brokenness, obedience And uh, we let God take it from there. So would you pray with me? And let's just ask him for continued wisdom here as we go forward. Uh, Lord, thank you for the summit. Thank you for sending the team that came. We know it really wasn't them. Uh, it It was you at work through them and through the scripture that was faithfully brought before us. We think back to over the course of this year, we've talked a lot about revival and we've looked at some of these principles, but now, now we stand on the other side of a, of a, of a watershed moment, of, a, of an inflection point where um, we're asking you what is next. And so, Lord, corporately together, that's, that's our prayer today. Um, individually, I pray for you to just empower and encourage us as we seek to fulfill the call that you put on our hearts, and even some of the commitments we 've made, pray for Ray and Sarah as they as they journey together and what they shared, and for Zach and for probably if we had time, most of the people in this room, Lord, um, you, you know what 's in their heart and what their next step needs to be. So I just pray that you'd encourage them um, and then, when we think about our church and how we operate and what we prioritize, what we do, uh, what we don 't do in all those discussions, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be humble. And, and help us to be lis- listeners to not just one another, but really listeners to you, your Holy Spirit, as you would direct us uh, to move forward into the future. We look forward to hearing from you, Lord, and thank you so much for meeting with us in this special time. Um, as my son said, and as many of us would echo, we kind of wish it wasn't over, but we know that you have, you have more for us that's in store. Uh, we just want to be faithful with what's in our hand right now. Thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, God bless you, and we'll see you next week.